it's an energetic imprint that lives inside of us. The cosmos lives inside of us. It's this kaleidoscopal view of energies that make up part of our psyche. The signs have a coarse expression, but over life and working with them with our experiences and lessons, they can be refined. That's the maturity and the evolution of working with your astrological chart. It's all about the evolutionary progress as well. It's not stagnant. It, it doesn't stay fixed. It's evolving as a medicine map, a mandala of your life. Welcome, beautiful soul, to the Weaving the Wild podcast. In this space, we are reclaiming and remembering the wildish wisdom and knowledge that lies deep within our bones and reconnecting to those parts of ourselves that are both ancient and familiar. We talk about it all, awakening our collective wildness and dropping back into our bodies honoring our cyclical rhythms, connecting to our roots, embracing our intuitive nature, and living embodied within the feminine. I'm Rachel Hodgins, and I'm honored to be walking this path beside you. Let's dive in. Michaela is a star witch, a creative mystic, and alchemist of the soul. She supports people in unraveling the potency of their own blueprint. I've been on the edge of my seat to share today's episode with you. It has long been in my heart. Michaela is someone I deeply respect and admire. She is the soul who truly awoke a deep love for the poetry of astrology within me ever since my very first reading with her. And in this episode, I think you'll hear why. There is something about Michaela's work and her words that just drips with poetry to me. She brings the deep, rich, often esoteric ideas and, you know, the wisdom of the cosmos down to earth in the most luscious, tangible way. Michaela has a knack for really taking a big concept or truth in the world and speaking it simply in a way that rings true deep in your bones you know while still making it achingly beautiful i've had several sessions with michaela over the years including an incredible shamanic channeling and i still re-listen to them from time to time when i'm seeking something you know in quotation marks her sessions are more like soul activations and there's always more that unveils itself sometimes long after the session is over in this episode we talk about the star elders and the wisdom and teachings of each planet Michaela connects us to the elements and the zodiac signs you'll also get to hear some little snippets about my own chart and energies if you're a little bit nosy we talk about working with plants in alignment to astrology, why you want to be growing yarrow, and some other botanicals that Michaela loves to work with alongside astrological energies. We touch on understanding Chiron's medicine in our chart, and then we talk about some of the powerful feminine asteroids and what they can reveal within your chart. So we talk about Vesta, Medea, and Pallas Athena in this episode. 
I also want to make mention, if you're wanting to dive even further into the feminine asteroids, if this conversation really sparks a fire for you, Michaela also has a four-part masterclass available, which I'll link in the show notes, which she did in collaboration with her friend and incredible astrologer, Tiani. So in that, they talk about Pallas, Vesta, Ceres, and Juno, which are a couple there that we didn't touch on in this episode. Highly recommend checking that out, as well as the book Asteroid Goddesses by Demetra George. Whether you're familiar with astrology or not, I know there will be something in this episode for you. Drink it in, my friend. I especially love what Michaela has to say about the depth of Mercury's wisdom and its role. It's a planet that I think we really easily generalize, you know, like, oh, it's it's our expression or it's our, our communication. And yes, that's true. But wait until you hear what Michaela has to share about these planets and the magic of planets like Mercury. All the links mentioned throughout this episode will be in the show notes. I highly recommend jumping down and having a little look through. You'll find ways to connect and to work with Michaela, including her one-on-one sessions and her signature Inanna Star Journey offering, which is an incredible nine-month journey through the Inanna Stargates, which follows Venus's activation points as she journeys from evening to morning star and vice versa. This is some of Michaela's deepest medicine and offerings. So at the time of recording this, you can put your name down on the wait list for that and you'll receive more info when the next journey is due to begin a little bit later in this year. And one final note before we dive in, sometimes you might hear terminology in this conversation that are completely new or foreign to you whether it's certain astrological terms or aspects, even you know some of the myths and the archetypes that Michaela weaves in. So I invite you not to get stuck on terms that you don't know. If you are more familiar with astrology, this will just likely make the episode even more juicy for you. But if you're not, don't worry. Just let it glide over you and keep going. There is deep medicine in here and you don't have to know what a conjunction or anything like that is to be able to receive the nourishment and the activations. Just breathe it all in and let it speak to you however it needs to right now. This is definitely an episode to come back to and revisit, I think, and to see what else lands for you in the future. Be sure to screenshot as you're listening and share this conversation to share the love and the beautiful soul activations. Be sure to tag both of us, Michaela at Starwitch Astrology and myself at the Rachel Hodgins and reach out. Both of us would love to hear what really landed or spoke to you or moved you within this conversation. And on that note, let's bring on Michaela from Starwitch Astrology. So welcome, Michaela, to the podcast. It is the deepest pleasure to have you here today. Thanks, Rach. And hello, everyone. It's so beautiful to be here. This is being recorded Friday, Day of Venus. So it's such a divine um, day together with you, Rach, and for everyone to listen to this, to know that uh, on the 2nd of December, it's such a divinely feminine magical day because Venus is rising reborn as the evening star tonight out west at twilight. I'm hoping we get clear visibility, Rach, so that we can see her as the helical rising of Venus tonight. 
Now she's going to be around as the evening star for the next nine months. So you'll see her as the wishing star at twilight. Um, and whether you see her with visibility or not, we are all going to be activated by her light rays. We're all having the Venus evening star showering down upon us for the next nine months. Oh, so magical. And yes, such a, well, I didn't even realize that was today, tonight. So what a powerful time to have this conversation with you. I'm so excited. And we will definitely be be diving into Venus a little bit as well, um, a little bit later in the conversation. I'm very excited about that. Oh, Michaela, before we dive in too too quickly and too deeply, I would love to hear how would you describe your work and your path to this work? Because if you were to put it into a, I know it's difficult to put in a nutshell, but how, how can we understand what it is that you do? So um, I use astrology as a map, as a tool for personal growth and soul consciousness. As an astrologer, um, I use the soul chart, the natal birth chart as your map, as your contract in this lifetime. Um, many clients over the years have uh, said that my sessions are similar to having an Akashic record reading when I go into um, the nodes of fate. And it's just been something that has been part of my own medicine gift is that I can work a lot with other times, other places, uh, using the planets as archetypal energy. So I have been trained in astrology and uh, that is paramount if you're an astrology lover and you want to go on and do more astrology to understand the basic fundamentals is, is super important. It is an ancient healing craft and art and divination tool, but the technique is so important to ground down because um, we are experiencing a renaissance of astrology, which is super amazing. Uh, so there is a technical side to it as well as a strong divination side. And everybody is different. So different astrologers work with different styles of astrology, different house systems. It's another map and tool. Um, within this, how I how I work with my sessions and the planets because uh, I work with Western Tropical Astrology and I work with the Placidus, the unequal house system, but I can work with Sidereal, which is sky astrology and whole signs. I've got a lot of mutability in my chart, which means I can flow with different systems. How I work with my style, my essence, is that um, as well as being an astrologer, I have been an initiated priestess. And I have been through some very um, intense unorthodox initiations with Indigenous elders and ceremonial rites in ancient priestess lines throughout my lifetime. So I weave all this in through shamanic cosmology. So working with the cosmological systems, the architectural celestial systems, as well as keeping it incredibly grounded, because I'm, as you know, I'm Taurian. And so to me, whilst it's amazing to go out into the galactic, the cosmos, our starseed origins, if we don't know how to function in our everyday lives, I don't see the point. It's like I'm really about 
being here as an earth guardian. Working with Western astrology is around honoring the equinoxes and solstices. So we're working with the astrological map here on earth. Mm. Yeah. Um, and how I describe the planetary energies is that if you can imagine that you're walking into a sacred ceremonial circle and there are star elders in the circle and each of the star elders has the custodianship and guardianship of a particular planet. Now, each of these planets has life lessons and experiences. So there's no good or bad. There's no holy and evil. It's the sacred and the profane. And so we are humans. We are here to experience a very earthy but magical existence, soulful existence. And at lie at you know at at times life can be quite chaotic and unpredictable. We have the dark night of the soul, the anana descent into the underworld, and so whatever your astrological signatures are in your chart, there's the opportunity to express them in a very vibrant, healthy, optimal way. I bring in transpersonal psychology. And these same astrological signatures can also have a wounded, unhealthy or challenging expression to them, but it's the same energy. So these planetary elders hold the custodianship of the particular planet's life lessons and experiences. And there's no shame or judgment with any of this. We are magical, wild, beautiful kin. And we're here to experience life in all of its glorious capacity. So, so beautiful, Michaela. It's so funny as you're saying that, um, that final piece around like the entering the circle of, of like the star elders, because I, like for me personally, it's how I've always sort of related to the zodiac, the zodiacal wheel is like, it's the process, I suppose, or the cycle of evolution, right, that we're continually moving through. And so it's like we are meeting a teacher each time and, and we're learning from them what we need to learn and then we move to the next and build upon. And it's just, yeah, it's just so funny the way you spoke about it then. I'm like, that's how I saw it. <laughs> it's beautiful. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly it. I would love then. So I invited you on specifically to talk about the feminine asteroids, but I feel like before we get there, um, just to ground this a little bit for, for anyone listening, especially if they're not as familiar with astrology, but they're like, oh, I want to know this. I want to be able to, you know, dig into my own chart a little bit and understand what all of this means. Um I would love to maybe move through what these these planets, these you know these uh, planetary elders, I suppose, have to teach us and what they represent. So, could you give us just like a little bit of a brief overview of of the planets or the planetary bodies, Moon and Sun, as well? Absolutely. So, first of all, um, I would invite everybody that's listening to take a breath and just to feel their breath and to feel where they are in their body. 
Um, I love to share from an embodied experiential um, place. And we are the living temple. We are the living embodiment. The cosmos lives inside of us. So we are creative beings. And so just allowing your breath to breathe in and then a longer exhale. And just feeling yourself coming home to your body. You might want to place a hand on your heart, your womb. Just calling yourself home to align with yourself in whatever capacity you are in today. And just allowing the breath, which is the element of air, to give honour to the air element of our breath. And then feeling your body, which is our earth element. So just coming back, the air is the signs of Gemini, Libra and Aquarius. The earth, our body, is Taurus, Virgo and Capricorn. Feeling your emotional realm, your blood cycle, the water realms are governed by Cancer, Scorpio and Pisces. And breathing in and releasing out and gently feeling yourself coming in to feel the creative fire, the passion that burns within you. And these are the zodiacal signs of Aries, Leo and Sagittarius. And now in your mind's eye, if you can imagine that you're walking into the ceremonial circle. And the first elder that we're going to meet has the custodianship of the sun. The sun that gives life to our existence, our planetary existence here on Nanjina Tia, Mother Earth. So the sun, our sun sign, our star sign is our creative passion, our creative expression. And with this is our ability to shine or not. So just sensing your relationship with the sun, if you're comfortable shining bright, being confident in your creative expression or feeling if there's any inhibitions there because with all of this translated into your own astrological natal chart, it does depend on the planet's conditions and relationships and dialogues with other planetary energies called the aspects. But the sun essentially is our life force, is our potential, is our creative expression. Yeah. Hmm. And it's considered one of the illuminaries. So to me, it's the alchemist. It's the golden energy. The other luminary is the moon, our beautiful feminine moon. And she ebbs and flows and goes through her nine cycles every 28 days. 
and 29 and a half days it takes for her to go through the full zodiacal wheel through the signs. So the moon is our emotional psyche. It's how we nurture and nourish ourselves. When you look at the moon in your chart, it gives a clue by the sign that it's in in the element and the placement in the house of how best do you nurture and nourish yourself or where there have been, um, from a psychological perspective, where there has been um, coping mechanisms or default settings set up earlier on in our childhood or our upbringing from our family of origin. It contains our ancestral lessons, our ancestral wounds as well, and a deep imprint into our soul essence. So when I work with these planetary energies in someone's chart, we can look at the psychological imprint, the emotional, and also our relationship to our family of origin, our upbringing. Uh, transpersonal, which is taking it more out of ourselves to bring in spirit and moving out into the cosmos and bringing in ancestral or soul experiences as well. Mm. Okay. But all of these are really relevant. It's not much use being out in the cosmos if this person is really struggling with their emotional world and their day-to-day existence. Mm. Yeah. I'm really big on not spiritually bypassing if someone's you know um, struggling with the relationship with their mother Mm. because that could be there could be uh, moon aspects to other planets that are indicating this is um, you know how we love and nurture ourselves but or where there has been a lack of love or being nurtured by our original caretakers yeah yeah Um, So it's fascinating to weave in transpersonal psychology with the um, energies, the planetary lessons um, and expressions. It's all around expressions. Yeah, you can learn a lot by just looking at someone's rising sign, which is their time of birth that sets the planetary energies into the house system, which is the mandala. So you always need someone's birth time to get their rising sign and house system yeah if you don't know someone's birth time or you if you don't know your own birth time you can still get all of your planetary aspects yeah, yeah. so all yeah. is not lost um so yeah the rising sign is our expression out in the world but it's how we're perceived as well i won't go too much into the rising sign at the moment we'll just stick with the uh, archetypes. So the sun and the moon are considered the two luminaries. So even just looking at your sun, your moon signs, uh, what element they're in, earth, air, fire, water, Um, and also the placement of the house if you're aware of your house system. So obviously the sun takes a month in each sign. So it takes 12 months to go around the full zodiacal wheel, which is based on the equinoxes and solstices for Western tropical astrology. The moon takes 28, uh, sorry, 29 and a half days to go through the zodiacal signs, but she takes 28 days to go through her phases, which is her relationship with the sun. 
the planet closest to uh, the sun is obviously Mercury. And Mercury is the gatekeeper between the solar codes and Mother Earth, Nanjina Tia. Mercury takes 88 days to go around, so a very fast-moving mercurial planet that governs communication. And in psychological terms, it's our logical, rational, um, planetary energy, so cerebral. How do we assimilate information? So in mythology, Mercury is Hermes or Thoth, so one of the ancient gatekeepers. Mercury is also a psychopomp. And what I find fascinating in the Inanna rituals that I, I love to teach through the Venus Gateways, the Inanna Star Journey, Mercury is actually um, relatable to the Nimshibars, the ancient medicine sisters that played the medicine drum, the frame drum. Now, the Nimshibars could not go down with Inanna into the underworld, but they played the drum, the sacred heartbeat, so that when Anana was taking the descent, she had to do this on her own through the underworld to rise reborn as the evening star because Anana is Venus. So she's just risen reborn as the evening star and she's still going to be hearing the heartbeat of the drums playing of the Nimshubars to guide her back. And this is Mercury as a psychopomp who guides the souls through to the underworld as well or to the other side. A psychopomp is connected with the souls that have departed. So Mercury has a rich, they all have a rich mythological story, but in, in psychology, Mercury, when you find um, Mercury in your chart, it's how you assimilate information. Now, for some of us that may have Mercury in a water sign, it's very intuitive and responsive and sensory. Um, not always comfortable. Mercury uh, I, and Scorpio over here. <laughs> yeah. So can you speak into that, Rach? Like Mercury and Scorpio is very deep and wise, hey, like mm. the old wise soul. But how's your experience of Mercury and Scorpio been? It's something, to be honest, that I've only more recently held actual awareness around and probably I'm still really learning what it means, but I've actually found, yeah, when you say like there's a, there's a depth, <laughs> um, there's a seeking, I think, that I found in like what I'm learning or how I am engaging and, and, and wanting to learn from things. There's like... Um, I've always found I'm I'm quite eager to get straight into the juice and all the the beautiful mm. dark you know the stuff that most people are like oh do not want to go there I'm like take me there like that's where I want to go and that's where I want to be like learning and um and everything like that and just like seeking people who are there um but yeah like it's something that I, I'm actually starting to hold more awareness around even just in day to day because it's as you said like Mercury's our communication and everything as well it's not just like it's it's many layers to it so I don't know I I think there may be something there within the way that I also 
talk and like the way I share and speak even about you know within within this podcast and the way I write um there's like a I suppose a more poetry sort of two two things but yeah I don't know that's that's all that I've really felt felt into so far and what's your sun sign and again Libra so Libra, um, Libra sun oh. and moon and Capricorn rising so that will be the beautiful balance of the Capricorn being the earth keeper, the earth custodian, the record keeper, and then your sun and your moon. And Libra is the beauty and the grace of Venus and, and Libra is that cardinal air energy. So it's a beautiful combination of when you start to weave your Mercury and Scorpio and depending on other aspects to planets in your chart, it adds another layer and story to who you are as an incredible shamanic ceremonialist as well and being able to to bring through the codes and translate them for others that may not have the courage to go into the underworld but they need a nimshiba sister to be the guide with them mm. Mm, beautiful um so then that's a beautiful segue into um, looking at Venus, who takes um, a beautiful feminine journey around the sun and, and you know, the origins of the five-pointed star, the pentagram, is actually to do with the movement of Venus in the heavens. She moves with the sun conjunction, which is the Kazemi, and there are five um, activation points of the five-pointed star in an eight-year cycle. I, I could talk about Venus for <laughs> she <Yes>. well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so to stick with the themes, just the very basic keywords, Venus governs our sensuality, our values and our principles. Uh, she governs feminine grace and beauty. Now, when I talk about the feminine principles, this is for all beautiful kin, whether you're masculine or feminine, we all have the inner feminine of Venus and the inner masculine of Mars within us. Yeah. Okay. So the anima, the feminine, the animus is masculine in, in Jungian terms. So Venus also governs our sense of worth and love and how we also have a wealth signature and whether we have um, a natural inclination to creative prosperity, uh, conscious business, our business partnerships, she governs relationships because she is the planet that um, rules Taurus and Libra. So she naturally governs the second and the seventh house. So I love working with Venus in our charts on all of those practical levels especially for those conscious um, business entrepreneurs that, that want to uh, really work with their astrological charts of what their purpose is, what their um, sacred business is out in the world. You definitely look to the 10th house and to Venus, yeah? Yeah. Okay. Mars is our motivation. It's our chi. It's our life force. It's the warrior. And... Mars takes around 687 days to go around, so around two years. Um, now, very quick, 
Mars governs Aries. So this is our courage, our bravery, our confidence to take action. Mm. The, the unhealthy side of Mars can be to do with aggression or lack of motivation, depending on what, um, if your Mars is healthy or unhealthy or happy or not happy. Same with Venus. She can be very lazy and decadent. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you see, it all depends on how these energies prosper in your chart or not. So it's up to you as creative beings. We've all got free will. We're not under the domination or the doctrination or the dogma of astrology. That It's just a wonderful map to go, okay, how can I work with this magically and ceremonially to really activate any latent um, signatures in my chart that I haven't actually seen? So quite often in our lives, we might over-identify with a particular aspect in our chart, and suddenly there might be an activation with particular time lords, which is called annual perfections, where another part of our natal chart, which is inside of us, is activated and we go, oh, I never knew I had Venus and Capricorn. I'm going to start <laughs> working with Venus and Capricorn now to really bring through and dream big my, my plans for my conscious business for the years to come, yeah? Mm. Mm or taking that deep dive into your Mercury and Scorpio. <laughs> it's so yeah. funny you say that, though, because I've definitely felt, um, and I, I imagine others listening will feel a similar way, where it's like, um, even if you're not consciously thinking of this through an astrological lens, where it's like I've always focused so much on this part of my life, for example, and all of a sudden out of nowhere, there's this other part of my life that just like pings and I've just, like it's calling for love and attention or it's calling for me to devote myself to it. And I'm just realizing now when you just use the word, the term time lords, I'm pretty sure this time last year when I had a session with you, you spoke about that and Venus for me. So I'm just, we're going to maybe have to talk about this after the recording because <laughs> this yeah. makes our most recent session around money and abundance and Venus energy super alive in my life makes a whole lot more sense now because I'm pretty sure that's yeah it was time lord venus activating for me this year <laughs> absolutely and this is where i mean we we're just skimming across the surface here yeah. because of of our time and and you know like the dive into the chart it's it's like this is where even as an astrologer years and years down the track, there's aspects of my chart that are suddenly becoming more alive and transparent. Mm. And, and I know for myself, I'm suddenly having this incredible meeting of Jupiter and it's embodied. And I've got Jup the glyph of Jupiter and Venus on my altar and I'm working on writing a book. So I'm calling in these amazing energies and my altar is aligned and I haven't really explored Jupiter too much in my chart and suddenly everything is Jupiterian around me. Mm. And it's like, oh, okay, you know. Yeah. Um, actually, that's a beautiful segue yes. into Jupiter who takes 12 years to go around your chart. So a Jupiter return only happens every 12 years. Now, Jupiter um, is the planet that governs Sagittarius 
and I'm working with modern astrology here. Now, all of the planets in ancient times were called the wanderers. Don't you love that? They were the like there's some things that you discover about ancient mythology that you, it just makes your heart sing. Jupiter is this incredible grace of the universe that comes in and it's like wherever Jupiter is transiting in your chart, so quite often you can have transiting readings every year to see what the planets are transiting and doing in your natal chart and you can sort of map the energies ahead for the year. Jupiter is really good to track. Jupiter is currently in Pisces, but moving into Aries and Taurus next year. So it's like this only happens every 12 years. So it's expansive. Jupiter is expansive and governs love wisdom, but it brings in these incredible opportunities and blessings. So Jupiter expands. The thing with Jupiter, though, if it's in an unhealthy aspect or if you're in the dark night of the soul, it also emphasizes the energies that are already there. Like an amplifier. Yes. It's a conduit of energy. So it expands and it's a benefic and it brings an optimism and hope and returns confidence and is larger than life and very gregarious and restores that joie de vivre and that confidence and that superstar quality but if you're down in the in the underworld and you you know like Jupiter can knock the if you're in a if you're in a dark exploratory space Jupiter can emphasize what is already there mm. yeah yeah mm. Mm. But generally, it, it's it's overall considered a benefic planet. So I always love tracking what is there. So, for example, if Jupiter was transiting over your Chiron and you're deep in your Chironic wounding, it's going to shed more. So just to speak about Chiron, because I know we're on the planets, but I just want to weave Chiron in for yeah. this example. Chiron is the wounded healer. Now. Chiron, this is the, our deepest core wound, and I love working with Chiron because it holds our greatest medicine gift but our deepest core wounding. And it's been called the Achilles heel. What I love, Rach, is that before I came down for our podcast, I've just got my little witch's herb garden. Like I don't live on a big property, but I grow all these amazing magical herbs and plants. And yarrow is sacred to Chiron. And as I was walking down into the studio to do the, the podcast with you today, my yarrow has flowered. It's the red yarrow. My yarrow is just about to flower, but I did not know it was it was sacred to Chiron. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, so I really love weaving in the sacred botanicals in, into any of my work. And so, yeah, to grow yarrow and to work with yarrow, and you know when they flower and you can dry the, the yarrow wand, if, if you want to work consciously with Chiron, work with yarrow as well. 
Wow. Do you have, so when you say like drying as a want, this is just for anyone listening who's like, oh, I want to get witchy. And like, it's so very Taurian of you. I love it, Michaela. (laughs) Um, But like, (laughs) um, yeah, so if we were to grow or even if you're you're not able to grow, but like work with save and dried yarrow, is there any suggestions or ways that we can, we can do that? Uh, What I generally do is I have lots of little bowls or shells on my altar that I put the um, dried herb in. I mean, I'm lucky I harvest and dry myself, but there's some amazing herbalists and places where you can, um, and I would recommend organic wild harvested. Mm. There is an incredible um, woman who works with spagerics that does tinctures as well. Beautiful. I, I highly recommend Danny's tinctures. Um, if you can't grow your own herbs and work with them, there's beautiful resources that are, are created in through hermetic astrology. Beautiful. Um, we can pop some yeah. links as well in. But, yeah, I think that's so beautiful for people to be able to, like, also there's something I would love to do when you say that I'm like, oh, I think I need to do that um, like and, and engage a little bit on a more tangible level as well. So that's, yeah. that's really beautiful. Thank you. And if you do want to order some fresh herbs, I know you'll have your own recommendations, Rach, but um, uh, online, the Mudbrick Herb Cottage and Sandy, it's Sandy's business. She's on the Gold Coast. You can order all of your herbs, fresh herbs in little containers, and they get shipped out the next day and they arrive. And Mm. that's what I've got growing in my garden. That is actually where my mugwort is from because I couldn't, I tried so many times from seed and it wouldn't work and I couldn't. So I'm just like, I'm going to buy my mugwort. So yes, Mudbrick Cottage, highly recommend. I love, love that. Everything I've got from them is beautiful. And mugwort has such a deep root system. I would recommend growing mugwort in a pot Mm -hmm. because otherwise she's so wild because she's Artemisia vulgaris. And Artemis is the wild huntress. So to grow mugwort wild in your garden, she takes over everything and then she's got this amazing root system. Artemis vulgaris mugwort is a sacred lunar botanical. So if I'm working with the Venus lunar, the Venus gates, the Venus moon stargates, I work with, um, I've got, I can see my rose my rose out in my garden. I work with rose petals, blue lotus, mugwort. So working with the sacred botanicals around the astrological gateways is um mm. is how I weave Beautiful. weave the magic. So yes, Chiron. In ancient times, people would make pilgrimages to the cave of Chiron, and he would initiate you through opening you up to explore your deepest core wound, but it's your greatest medicine gift. So, for example, in the Placidus house system, I've got Chiron and Aries co-joining Ceres, the great mother, uh, but she Ceres, the Demeter uh, energy, holds grief and loss in the 12th house, which governs... Um, the transpersonal, the other realms, the magic, the mystery. It is also the house of addiction. So part of my early story was I had a a long, big 
Inanna journey and descent of addictions. And then that was the point with Chiron there that it was on the altar of death that I was, I had life breathed back into me. And astrology was the medicine tool that helped me breathe life back into myself. I was stripped to the bone mm -hmm. and literally and figuratively and on the altar of death. Uh, and astrology was the medicine tool that helped me start to rebuild my life and understand myself. And so that's why Chiron was my deepest core wound in the 12th house, but also my greatest medicine gift. So to work with your Chiron in what sign and house, but also aspects to other planets, and especially when Chiron's getting activated by planetary transits, it's a really important one to work with the rites of initiation and passages that will be activated for you. Mm. Yeah, and always know that there is gold in the underworld, the golden shadow, the gift of gold. There is always a gift and we always rise reborn spring summer autumn winter yeah yeah it's one of the universal creation codes and i imagine like bringing that back as well to to jupiter like you're talking about transit so um say jupiter were to move in and touch on wherever chiron is sitting um amplifying right so yes. but also with that energy um as you said like jupiter could just amplify the the depth in which you were feeling something but again yes. the the very nature of it is the the um the expansion that's available i suppose with both like that's what chiron offers the the gift and the medicine that's available in the depth and jupiter if it moves over is going to really amplify that in order to help you move through and expand Absolutely. And Jupiter is the guru and the teacher, but we can be our greatest teachers. And so Jupiter will be expanding the energies to open you up with the celestial blueprint to find the depth and the root of the teachings for the transformation mm. and the expansion. Mm. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, beautiful. it's beautiful <laughs> how it all weaves together. Um, Saturn is the hard taskmaster but the wise elder and i love saturn because whilst it brings in incredible challenges and life lessons and is the planetary ruler of capricorn is that it takes 30 years 29 30 years to go around a full cycle we have our first saturn return around 29 30 which is a massive rite of passage and initiation and then, of course, we have the second Saturn return around 58, 59, 60. So Saturn is around maturation. Mm -hmm. And Saturn brings in an incredible resilience, um, sense of maturity and wisdom, but also gives us really tough lessons. Saturn psychologically can also be the inner judge or an external authority figure, whether it's um, parents or teachers or generally when there's 
harsh Saturnian lessons, you will experience an external experience and someone may step into your life that is playing that external authoritative lesson for you. It's quite fascinating how the mundane weaves into our everyday life and when we're going through particular planetary transits, there will be an experience or a person or a teacher will appear and we don't always like the people for the lessons and the teachings they bring. Mm. Especially around authority and control. Mm -hmm. Or restriction or contraction or judgment. But there's a depth of wisdom here. And what I love about Saturn is Saturn doesn't rush. Saturn is Kronos, Lord of Time. So, you know, it's with deep, deep respect and honour that we meet Saturn. And whenever there's strong transits in our chart or looking at these planetary placements in our natal chart, it's having a conversation and a dialogue and go, okay, how best do you want me to channel these energies in a healthy way? Saturn loves commitment and devotion and planning for the wisdom. So quite often I shift the perspective, the lens, and look at Saturn as a record keeper. And when particular activations happen in your chart, because Saturn governs Capricorn, I look at Capricorn as Pan, the Lord of Nature, a deep, deep love of nature and being a record keeper of the nature codes of Earth, mm. working with the rocks and the stones and the bones. So even that amazing ceremony, Closing the Bones, um, that originates from uh, South America, that's very Saturnian. Those grandmothers that held that wisdom of closing the bone ceremony, they've been persecuted as well. And they held that wisdom strong as wisdom keepers, guardians, yeah? And it's, it's with such deep honour and respect that I think of those grandmothers that are still there, that are holding the lineage and the teaching of closing the bone ceremony. Yeah. And just for context really quickly for anyone who doesn't know what um, closing the bone ceremony is, it's a ritual, so to speak, of or is a ceremony of like essentially tying fabrics around um, a mother postpartum to help close close the bones. And um, when we are birthing, we are entirely open and our bodies physically open and shift our bones shift in order to to let a baby grow and you know birth and this process is like on many many levels closing the body again and allowing the mother to become one and whole and in herself again um it's a really really beautiful potent uh, ceremony to to support the mum postpartum but yeah that's so beautiful so Saturnian I never thought of it in that way yeah and what I love about that ceremony is that you can have it years and years after you've birthed even if you um, have chosen not to have children, it's a beautiful ceremony for any woman to go through that has been through divorce, a relationship ending, um, losing a loved one. So grief um, where there has been um, sexual trauma as well or violation. Um, yeah, uh, a young woman that's moving into womanhood it's an incredible ceremony for any rite of passage 
um, that can be used. And so that's how I work with Saturn. Incredible. Mm. Talk to us about Uranus. Yeah, so now we're moving into what's called the transgenerational planets. And Uranus or Uranus takes um, 84 years to go around the zodiac. This is a modern day planet. So not used in ancient astrology or the Hellenistic tradition. So Uranus is the great liberator and awakener. It's revolutionary. It comes, it shakes up, it's chaotic. So just think of a wild thunderstorm. So Uranus shakes up all of those old Saturnian conditions and paradigms that are no longer working. Uranus does connect to um, our nervous system. So this is where we need to be really aware of how regulated and well-resourced our nervous system is. There's a whole amazing side to astrology that's called medical astrology as well, uh, but we won't go into that today. <laughs> so um, Uranus is going to activate you, awaken you, awaken the kundalini serpent energy, um, activate through the chakras, um, but cause for some individuals, Uranus and their chart can be very chaotic and unpredictable and cause a lot of anxiety and panic attacks. Mm. I'm just skimming across this so yeah. to to let the listeners know that all of these concepts and themes that we're discussing um, to give us some grace because uh, there's only so much we can delve into it, yeah? So Neptune, 165 years, Neptune governs the transpersonal. Neptune is the higher uh, octave of Venus, so brings in transpersonal love and oneness and the dreaming mystical side, but also is disillusion and grief and loss and divine homesickness. So we can get lost in the Neptunian fog of deceit and illusion or connect in and it's healthy, optimum dreaming medicine, yeah? Just like Uranus is the higher octave of Mercury. Now, the last and final planet is Pluto at 248 years takes to go round. So quite often Plutonic transits are extremely personal. Not everyone gets to experience it. Pluto is the modern ruling planet of Scorpio, Hades, Lord of the Underworld governs the eighth house so down into the depths of the underworld uh transformation rebirth we have to go through life death rebirth plutonic energy is not for the faint-hearted yeah so looking at pluto in your chart it's a transgenerational one so anyone born around the same age will have pluto in a particular sign but the house and the aspect that it relates to is personal for you mm. beautiful so that's such a rich tapestry I think to to feel into in terms of just like the I, I call them like the, just the general planets like what we would when we first look at our, our chart or if we feel into these these energies this is what we would see so this is such a beautiful place I think to to feel into that so thank you for all of that beautiful context I would love to talk about the feminine asteroids. As I said, that's that was my desire when I contacted you to come on for this episode was I, I want to know personally more about the feminine asteroids. So um, I know we can't cover 
every single one because there's, I mean, there's so many asteroids anyway, but there's a few key ones which I think would be so beautiful um, to dive into. Uh, so I don't know, maybe could we start with maybe Vesta? Could we talk about Vesta and the sacred flame? Yeah, of course. And I just want to let everyone know that we all have in our natal charts, we all have all the planets. We have Chiron. Everybody has all the asteroids. No one gets to miss out. Mm -hmm. But the sign and the house that they're in will be personal. So, yeah. Vesta is one of my all-time favourites. The glyph for Vesta is the flame. Vesta in your chart is the priestess, the flame of spiritual consciousness. And there is a rich, deep mythology and weaving back to priestess lineages. As you know, Rach, I love working with Vesta in a chart to go into other lifetimes of where you may have been a priestess in service. It's around your devotional service or not. It gives an indication in contemporary times, Vesta in your chart, with, with we don't all have to call ourselves priestess. It's about the energetic resonance. And the flame is about attending to the hearth fire, your sacred hearth fire within you. What is your devotional service? What are your daily practices, uh, your meditation practices, your ritual tools? She does love time to herself, so she's quite autonomous as well. But she would tend to the hearth fire. Now, the hearth fire is your home. And so bringing in the vestal energies, there is a, a rich thread that goes back to the ancient temples to sex magic and the sacred hetere, the quadishtu. There's much that I can speak into Vesta, but that would take us off on a whole <laughs> different ta- rich and juicy tangent that we might have to save for another time if you like. Sure, sure. So essentially, though, it is that she's a sacred hearth and flame in yes. and and the outer, I suppose, when we talk about hearth yes. and home. Beautiful. And how, how do you tend to your spiritual devotional practices? Do you have a devotional practice? Mm or not anything that you weave in that's devotion to self and the feminine is aligned with Vesta beautiful Mm. how does that then relate to Medea so Medea um and that's M for mother E for echo D E for echo A for apple Medea is a completely different asteroid archetypal energy Medea is the wise woman, witch, and sorceress. In modern-day contemporary interpretation, she would be this energy in your chart, but also the medical intuitive. So there's a very rich history here. And one of the most amazing astrologers, Pam Carruthers, wrote about Medea saying that, you know, she was a priestess of Circe and Hecate, And she trained, Medea trained as a sorceress to know when the moon was in the right place, the planets were in the right place to create spells and rituals and ceremonies and uh, herbal tinctures and tonics and talismans. 
But of course, any witch archetype or wise woman archetype has been exiled and banished over the years. And so in our collective psyche, there's a great fear for some woman to step fully into the Amadea energy because it's also for some individuals where you give your medicine away where you don't want to really fully embody your medicine. There's a fear of being fully harmonized and authentic and showing up in the world and saying, this is who I am as my Medea sorceress and witch. You don't have to attach any title to how you show up. I'm talking about the energetic patterning, yeah? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, mm really important to look at because sometimes this aspect of Medea is uh, where we don't aren't naturally inclined to be um, like that more uh, nurturing earth mother, earth mama energy. So Medea uh, left her family and her children to follow her lover. So there's Something here, and Medea was the one that I researched for many years, and the classical Greek mythology is incredibly patriarchal. A lot of the ancient goddesses like Hera and Juno were great cosmic queens of heaven in their own right in pre-Hellenic times. The classical Greek culture, which is patriarchal, more dominant male-based, They married off these great cosmic queens of heaven. And as much as I follow the pre-Hellenic stories and energetic references, the classical Greek culture does underpin our collective psyche. Mm. 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 But that's changing. The more that we work with the sacred feminine, the wild instinctual aspect of the feminine, which is Black Moon Lilith, She is the wild, instinctual, primal energy of coming back home to our blood, to our cycles. Everything that we do that is the sacred feminine returning to our wild nature is part of the healing Mm -hmm. and the progressive way forward, yeah, the the reclamation. 100%. And even as you say that, like, yeah, what I – I feel is like stories change. That's the point. Stories are always evolving. And so it's not about like, it's helpful to, to be able to learn what it might have been. The story may have been pre-Hellenic, for example, or whatever, but it's more about, well, what does it actually mean now in context of our, our world today and, and what meaning are we going to take forward? Absolutely. And that's, you've just spoken into something that I'm so passionate about. It's about our conscious dreaming and what we are doing moving forward and what we are dreaming in as future timekeepers Mm. um, where we can access the past, the present, the future timelines and what timeline you're choosing to align to and dream in. I'm really big on the dreaming medicine of Venus. Uh, She's Uh, connected to copper which attracts which magnetizes so setting ceremonial circles personal rituals devotional practices to dream in and manifest uh, healing for the future generations ourselves for everybody that is 
connected to dreaming in the paradigm of the new earth as well for humanity really very beautiful and i think yeah. as we we look at these these more feminine asteroids and these like slightly deeper aspects that we can begin to relate to and engage with i think that's where some of that medicine really comes um I know we're, we're getting short on time now, but I would love if you could also just touch quickly on Palathena. Did you, I'm not sure you meant, I think you mentioned Ceres oh, earlier, but. Yeah. So Palathena, what I love about her is that she's a classic one to talk about. So in the classical Greek culture, she was the daughter of Zeus, born of the eye of Zeus. However, Pallas Athena is, I've heard her being talked about, I think it was Demetra George. So Demetra George is an, an incredible seminal astrologer from the States, Greek heritage and lineage that actually brought the goddess asteroids into astrology. Now, and there are many great books um, by Demetra George. Pallas Athena is creative feminine intelligence. So in modern contemporary times, she honours the intellect, the mind, which is so important, the heart, creative passion, and following our intuitive guidance of our womb. So what I love about her is that she brings in the practical side. So in ancient times, in the Greco-Roman times, she was the patroness of artisans and there would be um, beautiful pieces of art that were created that would have a practical purpose. In modern day times, I love looking at her because she is the deity, if you like, to call in if you're creating a sacred magical business, yet you don't know how to operate from a business perspective or how to market yourself out in the world because um, so many of us want to remain in our creative genius, but we don't do this other aspect, um, is that Pallas Athena embodies it all. Mm -hmm. So she is the deity to call on to work with around strategic planning, because I know quite often this has been like strategic planning and running your business is considered very masculine. Yeah, mm -hmm. very um, left brain. However, if you don't want to break it down into the masculine and the feminine ways of showing up in the world, the yin and the yang, you can work with Pallas Athena, creative feminine intelligence. So she is one of the Amazonian warrioresses and in... Um, Ancient times, she was part of a triple goddess. Pallas Athena was the Amazon warrioress, the maiden. Metis, M for mother, E-T-I-S, was wise mother council. So Metis was the mother aspect. And Medusa was the crone. Like, that is a seriously mm. powerful triple goddess. Wow. Uh, um, Athena, Metis, and Medusa. This is in pre-Hellenic times. So see how if you start, this is why I've been called an archaeologist of the soul by some people. And it's interesting because when I was little, when I was a little child, all I wanted to do was be an archaeologist and go to Egypt. 
<laughs> and yet now what's transpired is that I am an archaeologist of the soul, but I work with weaving back and remembering the ancient stories and then incorporating them in, into our contemporary day. What does it mean for us here and now moving forward? Mm. Mm. Amazing, Michaela. And I think kind of to put this into context as well, because we're speaking of these as deities um, and, they, and they are, and, and yet also in terms of what we're talking about here, if we're looking at what this means to us, looking at our chart, I suppose the the invitation there is to look at where are these placed in terms of you know house house and sign, and looking at at the very least what are the the higher vibrations and lower vibrations of that signs because that can kind of speak to what may be blocking or where there may be resistance or tension around that particular theme or that you know Pallas Athena or um, you know Medea or whoever is kind of representing it in your life and then like looking at the shadow that you know hindering you in that and the 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 higher vibration which you can lean into which is going to lead you forward I suppose does that absolutely anything more that you would add there working with these energies well you've summed it up so beautifully that is exactly it and they don't actually have to be external deities um because it's an energetic imprint that lives inside of us. The cosmos lives inside of us. It's a kaleidoscopal view of energies that make up part of our psyche. Mm. Yeah. And yeah, I love that, Rach, because yeah, the signs have a coarse expression, but over life and working with them with our experiences and lessons, they can be refined. So that's the maturity and the evolution of working with your astrological chart it's all about the evolutionary progress as well it's not stagnant it's not yeah it it doesn't stay fixed it's evolving as a medicine map a mandala of your life yes yeah what you learn about yourself and how to embody yourself more and more deeper and deeper differently every time absolutely absolutely Yeah, it's a living embodiment. It's not just, it's really not just a personality profile. Yes, 100%. This Mm. has been so ridiculously juicy, Michaela, and we've, we barely, we, I don't even (laughs) even put a dent in it. So I'm sure we'll have to have other conversations again in the future um, and love to have you back to talk about, to really dive into Venus as well. I would love that one day. I would love that too. Before we finish, um, I would love to pass it over to you to share how how we can connect with you, where we can find you. And also, is there anything else that, you know, you're feeling kind of here that you would like to share that you would like to impart with the listener before we, we close today? Yeah. Um, well, first of all, I am on Instagram, so Star Witch Astrology. And my website is starwitchastrology.com. If you choose to have a one-on-one session, I would love to dive deep with you. Uh, Quite often I'm booked up a few months ahead, but I always trust that whenever we have our session, the planets are so divinely aligned, like it happens time and time again, doesn't it, Rach? Like it blows (laughs) us away. You might have to wait two months or whatever, but when we connect, it it 
it's just mind-blowing the celestial arrangements of what's happening in your chart yeah so it's a great um quest and faith <laughs> with that um my signature sessions are the inana star journey where um i do experiential astrology and it's over nine months or the full 18 month cycle starts july 2023 and each month we connect with the venus moon gates and this is one of the most ancient ceremonial initiation rites that exists uh so all of this is on my website but um as a parting gift um it's it's like just delve into the beauty and the magic of who you are and just love yourself and and astrology aside my greatest uh intention and prayer is that no one carries shame i've got goosebumps yeah i'm really big into um unshaming ourselves mm. and not carrying shame in our bodies um and also for each beautiful individual to work with their soul contract to find the reason and the purpose why they are here. And it doesn't have to be flamboyant and outrageous out in the world. Some of the greatest, greatest magic is very much to do with Vesta or Hessian magic around the magic you create in your life every day when you wake up with the rising sun and gratitude and just how you walk, how you walk on Nanjina and Mother Earth each day. Mm. Mm. And on that note, <laughs> thank you so much for, for sharing all of the medicine that you hold within you. For me and, and the listeners today, it is so deeply received and appreciated and yeah thank you so much for coming on today thank you and thank you everybody for listening and and receiving and um just taking this into your heart with what resonates or doesn't have a beautiful magical time mm. thank you for listening to the weaving the wild podcast i'm walking my path here on jaja country and i acknowledge the jaja elders past and present